Hey everyone, my name is Bobby Angus. I'm going to be one of your hosts for 10 at Final Fantasy VII Podcast. My co-hosts are Ken Tormey and Will Sliney. The purpose of this podcast was to bring together three people who all had different experiences with Final Fantasy VII, the original, and different levels of love for the original game. We wanted to play the remake version together and be able to see how each of us respond to it, all coming from different backgrounds with the game. The reason we chose the name Tent was because on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis, we're going to be trying to rotate in different friends of ours who also have the same love for the game as we do. Some of our guests that we have lined up are Sean Crystal, Michael Walsh, and Ricardo Ortiz. We are excited to announce more in the future, and we hope you stick with us for the duration of the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to 10 Final Fantasy 7 Podcast. I'm thrilled to announce that we have our guest Michael Walsh with us here today. Hey everybody. Thanks for coming by, Michael. Really appreciate it. Michael is a big uh, favorite of mine in the artist community. Uh, he's done works such as Vision, Hawkeye, and he even has a couple of uh, books coming up in the queue, which uh, I'm sure everyone's excited to uh, to check out. Thanks for having me very much. I'm excited to talk. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to just do like a quick intro? I know I uh, just saying Vision and Hawkeye might not have done you justice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I've been um, I've been a professional comic book artist for uh, about seven years now. Uh, I started my career with Image doing a book called Comeback with Ed Brisson. And uh, from there I did Zero. Um, and then I, I started with uh, Work for Hire with, uh, by doing X-Files Season 10 at IDW. And then after that, I kind of got my break at Marvel. And I worked at Marvel for about five years on a ton of different properties. Stuff like uh, Worst X-Men Ever, um, mm. Vision, Secret Avengers, Hawkeye, Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Um, I did covers for almost every book that they do there. And then I did uh, Star Wars for a few years, uh, which was really fun. Um, I was also able to do Jughead The Hunger, which was a horror property with Archie. And then most recently, I did uh, Justice League Black Hammer with Jeff Lemire, which was a big crossover between the Justice League and his own uh, superhero property that he's created with Dark Horse. And then right now, I'm actually uh, working on writing and drawing a bunch of books of my own, which I can't really announce uh, what, what I'm working on yet because it won't be out probably until 2021 but um uh one of the books that i wrote and drew just a single issue is called uh jim henson's storyteller ghosts and that's just a single issue story you can pick it up it's a standalone kind of horror uh thing and it'll be out from boom in august so that'll be something coming out this year while i chip away at everything else i'm doing right now make sure to add to your poll list people um but, that was a little long-winded, but I've done a lot. And no, I didn't, <laughs> it's perfect. I, yeah. I remember that uh, Star Wars book. I remember I reached out to you to try and buy some art, and you were like, oh, sorry, it's all sold to George Lucas. I'm like, oh, damn it. Totally Yeah, valid. that was <laughs> that was a pretty cool event in my career so far, is having George Lucas buy an entire issue of artwork from me. So it was an annual, so it was I think it was 40 pages or 30 or 40 pages and he bought them and they are somewhere on the Lucasfilm ranch, hopefully next to like the original lightsaber. But I, I, I I'm guessing they're just in a drawer of art that he's bought. <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty cool accomplishment. I very, very cool. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, of course. But, uh, the reason we're here today is to talk the game that's on everyone's minds today, the final fantasy seven series here. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm happy that I happened to reach out to you, I believe, and I just be like, so, like, are you a Final Fantasy VII fan? I'm seeing some things. And luckily you said, yes, I'm a big fan. 
So one thing I always wanted to talk about, uh, specifically with a, a writer in Final Fantasy, was the story of Final Fantasy. So in the earlier issues, or excuse me, in the earlier episodes of our podcast, Ken made a comment that was, Final Fantasy VII is one of the few Final Fantasy games that's driven by story. What What are your thoughts on that comment? I... I agree and I disagree. I think that um, at the beginning of Final Fantasy, it was about gameplay and the story was kind of sparse. You were playing mm-hmm. characters where you picked their jobs for them. You've kind of created your characters in your own mind, almost like a D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they went, they started adding more and more story. Like uh, Final Fantasy IV has a ton of story. Um and then Final Fantasy VI has just as deep of a story as Final Fantasy VII, I think. But because of the graphical limitations, maybe it doesn't feel that way. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people were actually introduced to Final Fantasy uh, during Final Fantasy VII. I know I myself was. I didn't. Um, so I didn't have a Super Nintendo, and mm-hmm. I and I had a, I was a Sega Genesis kid, and I didn't play any of the ones on NES. I was probably too young to really enjoy them or to to, to grasp to grasp them. But, um, final fantasy seven was my first final fantasy game. And it, and it just blew me away. Cause I, I had never played a game like that. I hadn't played a JRPG and I was like the perfect age for that game to blow my mind. Um, I remember we, uh, so me and my buddies had been seeing the commercials for it. I don't know if you remember how old you are, but there was this huge, uh, PR, push for mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 7 and there was these cool commercials of Cloud on a motorcycle and and his escape that CG cutscene mm-hmm. when he escapes Midgar um right and I thought it was like the coolest looking thing I'd ever seen and I had just been starting to get into kind of anime stuff as well and manga but I was still pretty young I think I was like when do you know when it originally came out Final Fantasy 7 1997 was when it was released 97 yeah so yeah. I was I was 11 uh I was probably 10 because I have a late birthday. So I was 10 or 11 and I remember the game came out and uh, I didn't even have a memory card for my PlayStation 1 yet, but me and my buddies rented it from from the corner store uh, who did video game rentals and we played it all night and we <laughs> we didn't realize how long it was. We just thought, you know, if we just keep playing it, we'll eventually beat the game. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't have a memory card, so we couldn't turn off the PlayStation. We played the game all night, and then they left, and I didn't want to turn off my PlayStation. But like, we weren't even relatively close to getting by the first disc, even. Right. And uh, and I ended up having to return it before I could even beat the first disc. I think I made it out of Midgar over the weekend, and then um, and then I had to return it, and I was just heartbroken that I had to turn <laughs> off my PlayStation and return the game. But then I, it's something that I didn't actually get to play through for a little while after that. One of my buddies had it on uh, – mm-hmm. he got it for PC, so I played it. Like, I'd go over to his house every time he played it because I was so invested in the characters and the story. I thought it was, like, the most interesting video game that I'd ever seen. Um and there was so much depth to the characters and there was those environmental themes, the anti-corporation themes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That was, you know, at, at 11, 12, it was going over my head a little bit. It was so far ahead of its time for me. But I was just absolutely enthralled with it and I loved the designs as well. And then I finally uh, got it for myself probably at like 12 or 13 and played it all the way through. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I've i been playing the the remake recently. My wife – or so – it came out the week of my birthday, and I told my wife for my birthday all I wanted to do was just play Final Fantasy VII. 
And so she was like hanging out with me. I was just playing. She's like, is this a game about like environmental corporations? I'm like, yes, but at the same time, no. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, Oh, man. I'm just realizing I kind of dodged your question, which was, uh, is this the most story focused Final Fantasy game? And um, I don't I don't think it is like, I mean, Final Fantasy eight is very story focused final fantasy mm-hmm. 9 10 uh 12 and pretty much since final fantasy 7 they've been very very story focused um and I, I i would say that like i think 7 has latched on to people's consciousness more than any of the other sure. ones i know i know a lot of people love 12 i also love 12 um and i and i and i did like 15 but i feel like so they somewhere along the line there's been a degradation of the mm-hmm. quality of storytelling in them um not for lack of trying i'm sure but you know there's always things going on behind the scenes that we don't see but um i i think that they're trying to to have these big dense stories like that mm-hmm. but they haven't been as successful in a while um probably yeah. since 12 i I think 15, the problem was they were trying to get Kingdom Hearts 3 out at the same time. And they were 15 was yeah. originally supposed to be a spinoff of 13, but then they reproduced it to 15. And like you could, it was like right after the Leviathan theme, where Leviathan fight, excuse me, where like the whole thing just like fell apart. But uh, that's a conversation mm-hmm. for another time. But so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think I think 15 had great ideas. I just didn't think it pulled it off that well. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's that's a very good way of describing it. Um, but so the story, like we just so- talked about storytelling is really, really big, uh, in the final fantasy series. I mean, for me specifically, it's final fantasy seven. Is there mm-hmm. like, just what are some of the, like, there's so many memorable moments in this, you know, full spoilers yeah. to everyone, you know, the era scene, the yeah. uh, Sephiroth with the flames, you know, the life stream, like, what are some of which does like a moment stand out the most to you as most memorable or like the moment that like if someone's like, hey, Final Fantasy seven, you're like, oh, this scene pops in my head. Mm-hmm. I for well, there's a few for me uh, for different reasons. I'm trying to I'm trying to speak quietly right now because my partner has been watching me play through the remake and she has no idea what's coming in the game. So uh, like, OK, gotcha. I, I, no, I'm going to I, I will definitely hint at things. But yeah, so um the big Aerith moment uh, at the end of the first disc, I remember it, it's it's kind of impactful for me because of a few reasons. I mean, it's a huge moment. It's a huge twist in a game that like I would never have expected when I played it for sure. the first time. And I was playing the game, um, you know, at, like I said, I was like 12 or 13. So uh, my youngest sister is seven years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was probably five or six watching me play this. And she had been watching along the whole game. So she was also super invested in the stories and the characters. And I think that's that's what really pulls people in about Final Fantasy VII is the characters. So she loved yeah. she loved Aerith and that character. And when that happened, I just remember her as this like little five-year-old girl going, bastard! Just like <laughs> scream. I looked back at her thinking, what the heck? You can't say that, Shelby. That's not an okay word. But she was just like so into the story of the game at that age, and I was amazed by it. But yeah, so that that one, like that's a moment that just like completely floored me. I remember, um, yeah, Sephiroth in the clouds, the whole reveal with uh, Cloud not ever actually being a soldier. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty yeah. twisty story yeah. that I wasn't expecting all this stuff to come out uh, out of the characters 
having like playing the game so young um, and it really rocked my world. So that part really affected me pretty much all the cloud stuff where it gets into the psychology of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I found really, really interesting and, and uh, complex, especially at the time. Um and then, yeah, and another one that stood out to me actually was the weapons when they kind of rise out of the earth. And that was because, uh, like I said, I wasn't playing it myself first. My buddy had it on PC, so I was going over to watch him play. Sure. And his, for some reason, his game glitched out at that moment. So he played all the way up to that. The game glitched out. He couldn't get past it. It would just freeze when the weapons came out. Oh so my he gosh. replayed the game again from the beginning thinking that if he just replayed it again and started a whole new save, uh, he'd be able to get past it. And it glitched out and, and froze again, and it wouldn't get oh. past that time. So, like, I have that stuck in my head, that CG cutscene, because I remember seeing it so many times, trying to figure out how to get the game to unfreeze. Oh, um, my God. That yeah. sounds like you have to uninstall the game and reinstall it at that point. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we were just kids. We were trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, But yeah, I mean, the whole thing, like, there's so many big moments in the game. um, And I'm really curious to see how they do a lot of those in the remake. But um, yeah, I mean, Sephiroth was such a great antagonist. He was charismatic and Mm -hmm. sociopathic and intimidating. Um, I liked, you know, Hojo is an incredible antagonist as well. Like, Mm -hmm. he's kind of even more of a central antagonist than Sephiroth, right? At some points. Um, But yeah, no, uh, those are probably the biggest ones that stick out in my head. So, I mean... This game really sent you through the ringer and has a lot of memorable moments. But like from your perspective, like as a writer's perspective, how how mm-hmm. does a story like this like just manage to stand the test of time? Like like we said, this game came out in 1997. Like mm-hmm. people have been clamoring for a remake for years. And then fi- like we finally got it. So like and it seems like there was an overwhelming like positive reaction to this game as well. So far, at least I haven't like dove into reviews, but pe- like from a sales perspective and a, like a general review perspective. So like in, from a writer's perspective, how does a story like this just hold up? I think, uh, thematically, uh, the, uh, corporative, uh, corporations, uh, versus nature. And I, I think a lot of the themes are actually really, really relevant right now, especially with what, what the earth is going through and how people are mm-hmm. exploiting it for its resources. That's pretty much what the game is about. And you're seeing these giant monopolies take over the business world way more than they are. They were, you know, 25 years ago or whatever. Um, you know, and, and that's pretty much this, the main crux of that game is that Shinra is pretty much taking over the world at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the world is actually kind of becoming more and more like the world of that game. So it's, it's just as relevant as it's ever been. And then in terms of characters, I think, I feel like there's a lot going on there in the complexity of clouds psyche. And, you know, there's a lot of mental illness stuff there going on, whether it's mm-hmm. on the surface level or it's kind of underneath the character. And there's so much, so much going on in that game in terms of every character's, arc and path i mean some characters have more of an arc than others people like vincent just like look awesome although he does have a great story but like i think people's love of like vincent just a lot of that comes from the design of that character he's such a great looking character he's so fun and gothy and intense and Mm -hmm. uh he's like everybody's favorite goth boy right so it's 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 a, it's a mix of great design, great character, and characters have clear arcs in that game, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you can't say that about every video game, especially of the time. But, I mean, yeah. JRPGs are pretty well known for that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. d- doing a lot of character development and character artwork and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, Kian is, like, the biggest Vincent fanboy ever. 
Uh, I think he, if he could, he would uh, cosplay as him for New York Comic Con. I think he uh, should. I think we should I, all cosplay as Final Fantasy VII characters. And then do a live table reading. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, it seems like, you know, character development, uh, themes, as well as just like the, the flow of the plot, uh, you know, it all it was just a perfect blend and a perfect mix. And, you know, obviously, this is like you said, it's a very common theme in a JRPG. Uh, but like how did like taking a step back, just like say you were like in charge of designing a Final Fantasy game. How would you even go about like structuring a story like this? Like there, it just seems like it's such a complex and deep understanding story. Like, can you kind of like walk us through like a writer's perspective of like how you even try and tackle this? Yeah, I mean, you would think of every writer writes differently, right? Like some people really like to follow the hero's journey and the the three act structure. Um, And I think that what, what it seems like to me they did was they, they figured out a beginning of the story and end of the story, a main character, um, an antagonist. And then they just kept blowing out the world from there. And I feel like once they realized that they would have so much space that they would be able to do this over three discs, which was like mm-hmm. unheard of at the time, yeah. they, they just kept cramming things in and they had so much talent in involved in the creation of the game that everybody was contributing ideas and stuff. Um, so I feel like they just kept throwing darts at a board and then taking the ones that worked and, and fit some, somehow finding a way to fit them in the game. Um, but like, I, I, I don't know as much about video game development as I do just about story structure. And this is kind of your, uh, typical hero's journey, you know, like, like Luke Skywalker, like anybody, it starts off with a hero and he's a reluctant hero and he's Mm -hmm. trying to find his way throughout the story. And he has a villain, he has an antagonist, he has a past shrouded in mystery. And then as the game progresses, he becomes a stronger person emotionally and physically. And then he Mm -hmm. faces his antagonist from a new point of view and he wins and saves the day. Like that's the hero's journey. And that's really what cloud goes through, but there it's a lot more layered than and just that so they take that hero's journey that hero's arc and they just blow it out and try and add some twists and i feel like a lot of the more organic twists and character stuff come from the characters outside of cloud as well like when you mm-hmm. look at tifa or barrett and barrett and marlene and you know tifa's childhood relationship with cloud like that stuff is really interesting and really fleshes out all of those characters and i th- and i feel like even like kate sith and um Kate Sith has has story to him, and Vincent has story, and Yuffie has a story to her. Um, and even the smallest characters in the party still get really nice, shining moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of blows my mind that Yuffie and Vincent are optional characters, and like some people probably yeah. play the game without even getting them. And they're such a, a prevalent part of people's um remembrance of this game and and their enjoyment of the characters and stuff which is like really interesting to see how they'll do that in the remakes yeah no i mean like the thought of just not getting a character in a game just boggles my mind like so i jumped into the series at 10 originally i started there then i backtracked to seven mm-hmm. um and just like i can't imagine not playing like if I knew there was a character out there or could even potentially find a character like just the idea of not getting them would just like boggles my mind yeah well i mean there are i feel like there are a lot of jrpgs where there are just a million playable characters like off the top Mm -hmm. of my i remember chrono cross had like 25 playable characters and some of them just had literally no story they just looked cool and had fun moves but 
Um, I feel like this is one of the first ones that I played that had every single character had big moments and had had interesting um, and unique character traits to them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we feel or we talked a little bit about or I made the comment before, uh, like how some of the later games, they they kind of stalled out. Um, like in Final Fantasy 15, for example, I said after the Leviathan Leviathan fight, it, it kind of just fizzled a little bit and didn't it didn't stick the landing. Right. Did you ever feel like there was a moment in Final Fantasy 7 in the original where maybe like if you could go in and edit it, you would take it out or you felt that it was, you know, a stalled moment or it didn't really add anything to the game itself? Well, it's it's hard to say now because it's it is a product of its time. I haven't played it since I was in college, so I probably played Final Fantasy VII all the way through four or five times. But mm-hmm. the last time was about ten years ago. Um, so, in, in my recollection of the actual gameplay and stuff, um, you know, a lot of the like the side quests are very monotonous. They're very grindy, and you don't you don't see as much of that in games now. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's kind of a dated aspect and it pads the time played a little bit like, Oh God, Chocobo breeding to get that gold Chocobo to get nice oh, around yeah. was so time intensive. And you were literally not doing anything when the Chocobos raced. You were just listening to that song over and over again. Um, and then, yeah. Oh God. It's like just drilled in my brain, but there's, there's a few things like that, but I think that those things, since those things are optional, it's hard to really hark on them because the rewards are really good. Like Knights of the Round just, you know, kills mm-hmm. the final boss of the game in one summon, right? So yeah, it's it's you're grinding it out so that you can do that at the end and feel good about it. Uh, like fighting the weapons was really fun because they were so hard at the time and you had to just fight them perfectly to be able to beat them. And mm-hmm. those were all optional too, right? Except I think you had to beat one for the story, but I think there was like two or three that were optional if I remember correctly uh, yeah like there was the one right. under the water and there was the one in the desert but one yeah. of them you had to fight i think i, th- I, I think it's yeah. the one that's like standing by midgard that you had to fight that's right yeah that like unleashed sephiroth or for the final fight or something like that along that's those lines. right yeah yeah so yeah i i i just think that the uh most games now don't have as much uh like side padding outside of the main story although you did there is a lot there in remake but there's at least like uh really good writing in the remake and some of the side quests and stuff and they all do offer pretty decent rewards Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i I, there's no point in that game just because I, i have such a nostalgic fond uh emotion towards it that really makes it not fun for me um Mm -hmm. i mean random enemy encounters are kind of a thing of the past and i feel like if you're trying to run (laughs) yeah if you're trying to run from like point a to point b quickly and you just keep running into like shit that you can just kill in one hit anyways it does get kind of frustrating uh now as an adult playing like an old school game but at the time i love i i loved it i would just sit around grinding my characters and leveling Mm -hmm. them up because i just liked the game so much um but i wouldn't really do that now i don't i don't think i was such a completionist when i was a kid because i didn't i wasn't allowed to buy a lot of games my parents didn't like we were very middle class and my dad's rule was you know you have to show me that you beat a game to be able to buy a new game so i was a Mm. real completionist with all the games that i played and i would play the hell out of them and and milk as much time as i could out of them and i and yeah final fantasy 7 like i if there was achievements at that time i 100 percent of that game platinum that game 100 times you know but yeah i i think i logged like probably close to 80 hours on my i beat it 
in the summer of college. And I think I logged close to like 80 hours in it, like absurd amount of time. It's I th- yeah, I think I think that's like to 100 percent it and to get the gold chocobo and nice the round mm-hmm. and like four times cut or whatever that one was yeah. um, to get every every little thing in that game is, yeah, around 70 to 80 hours. Yeah. So the so kind of pivoting a little bit from the original game here to the the remake, not remastered. Uh, the original game has, you know, a three act structured and it's you know, structured into three def- separate discs in comparison to the new game, which we're making the assumption here is going to be structured into three separate games. So as a writer, how do you think this story will be affected and how is this game going to be? And obviously this game has to kind of be its own like self-composed story. Like, I guess my question is like, how, how does it differ being three separate games versus just three separate discs in one in that you can consume in one sitting? I suspect it'll be more than three games. Actually. I saw the director Ooh. announce uh, or at least mentioned in an interview a few days ago, he said that we're thinking we're going to do smaller installments and more installments, mm-hmm. which is not, I don't think that's great for me personally. I would rather just have one big game and be able to play it at my leisure um, than to get these little tiny chunks of game that don't, I don't know. I, it's something that that's bugging me about the remake a little bit, even though I, I'm I'm moving into the last chapter, I believe, right now. Mm-hmm. But um, it feels very slight, and I don't know if that's because I have played the original and I'm so attached to it. But it feels like there's not enough story there for me to justify a hundred dollar video game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, there's a lot of like the game's gorgeous. It has some beautiful, crazy, cool moments, but it really does feel like you're just getting into the story. You're just getting into the characters in the thick of things, and now the game's going to end, and we're not going to play be able to play the next installment for who knows how long. So, yeah, I do. I actually I am having some issues with the length of the games, but that's just me. I I don't know if that's a common. I, I from what I've been seeing online, people are raving about the game pretty mm-hmm. much in all aspects. But I I have my I have some issues with it um i'm I'm actually probably thinking about replaying the original um and not playing the installments until there's more out than you know i would like for the whole entire final fantasy remake series of games to be out and then i can just play them all through i I don't Mm -hmm. like taking it in it's like watching an episode of a tv show once every year you know it's just like you're so far removed from the characters at that point it's going to ruin the effectiveness of all the big moments i think yeah, but I, I don't know. I was gonna say I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I was kind of actually after this concert, finishing this game and finishing this podcast, just going back and just jamming through seven on Steam. But yeah. I think or the way I compare this was more to like Avengers Endgame. Like that's kind of how I feel going to this game. Like I know there's gonna be an end, but I don't know when the next. Well, with Endgame, we knew it was gonna come out in a year. With this, like you said, we don't know it's gonna come out. But yeah, we don't have. I mean we're kind of just running on pure nostalgia at this point. Like a lot of people are invested in it because of that. Yeah. Um, and we don't have, I mean, we have a, what is it? A 20 year gap now versus 16 years or 16 movies of story content. So, I mean, I think it's going to kind of mess up the flow of the story. And it's, I mean, Kien's pretty much, or the way Kien's interpreting this game, I don't know if you are, or if you're interpreting it from a story perspective in the same way is he thinks it's just, pretty much going to be like a self-contained part of the game where it's going to have a beginning, a middle and end for this one disc. And you can be able to pick this up and play this as a solo story. If you want to, I don't know if you're getting that impression or if you're, I, uh, I, you know what? I, 
I'm not getting that. I and I and I asked my partner about this actually because, like I said, she's been watching, especially all the big uh, story and character moments. And I said, you know, the game's almost done. There's there's pretty much one or two missions left, and we're gonna wrap up our like this section of Midgar. And, and I said to her, "Do you feel like you're getting a full story here?" And she said, "No, it feels like we're just getting started, really." Mm. And so I I don't know. It's it's hard to say, really. I it's. I would be curious to speak to somebody who doesn't know how much more there is to the story, but but it, to me, it seems very slight in terms of story. Um, there's a lot of great character stuff, but in terms of plot, like literally hardly anything has happened, and I'm at the end of the game. Um, yeah. it, so it's it looks great. Uh, the voice acting is really fun. I'm not huge on how cartoonish Barrett's voice acting is. I think they could have scaled that back a yeah. little bit. Um, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, but I, I really like Tifa. I really like Cloud and Aerith. Um, I like some of the new characters that they introduced. I really like the new soldier um, that they've introduced that's kind mm-hmm. of a foil to Cloud. Um, but it's just, I just wish that they didn't do it this way. It's not its not the way that I prefer to absorb my video games. So you would prefer it to, so let me ask you this then. Would you rather wait, let's say another 10 years hypothetically and get the entire game in one sitting or would you rather wait 10 years and have it split up over 10 years no i would rather wait 10 years and get it all in one sitting personally but they would make way less money that way right like you have to think square enix is going to make a hundred bucks per purchase on every single installment of this game Mm -hmm. uh and then but if they just did it all in one then they would make like one tenth of the amount of money because the same people are going to buy the thing all the way through. So I, I, I really don't know. Um, I, I, it's be, I, I, it, to me, it seems as an outsider looking in, it seems like it's because of money, but uh, you know, who really knows what's going on behind the scenes working I mean, in I... comics m- makes me realize that so many people speculate about shit in the comics world. And yeah. so much of it is inaccurate that like, it's hard for me to speculate about, what's going on behind the scenes of any other kind of artistic industry when you have literally no idea why decisions are being made. Yeah. Uh, but if I had to guess, a lot of it would be coming down to money. Well, I just quickly checked and I sold 3.5 million units of it. So that's a lot of dough right there. Yeah. And that's probably mm-hmm. why they're going to do it in shorter, shorter bursts, shorter games. I, you know, it, if they do shorter games, shorter story, like the director said they're going to do, I would hope that they would charge a little bit less. Like mm-hmm. if they're charging 40 or 50 bucks for 30 hour games and they're using the same engine and they're they're mining the story from the original. I mean, that would work maybe, but for me as a as a buyer and as a consumer of the medium, I would prefer it all in one. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I mean, just from a storytelling perspective as well, I want to get it you know, all at one time. Mm-hmm. I blame Harry Potter for all this, you know, splits <laughs> shit. Yeah. <sighs> Fucking Harry yeah. Potter. Anyway, um, so um, so that kind of leads, or your comment about, you know, them from a financial, making financial decisions versus storytelling decisions. So it seems like with this, they're making decisions uh, to just please people immediately versus, you know, trying to implement a full story. Like for one example that's coming to mind, is Sephiroth. Uh, in the original game, we obviously meet Sephiroth at the end of disc one. Or, well, mm-hmm. I don't want to say the end, but one, like, you're about to leave Midgard, and then you see the sword in the Shinra's president, and then you see the sword again in the giant snake, and then everything hits the fan. 
Mm-hmm. But in this game, we are we meet Sephiroth in what the first like twenty minutes, and I think you eat, you hear Sephiroth's theme music in the opening credits. So yeah, like how? So how do you think that impact the financial decisions impacts your storytelling decisions? Uh, well, I or, I mean they're gonna be retooling the story to try and make it work over multiple installments, and they're gonna be seeding like big characters early on. Like you saw Kate Sith. You'll you see Kate Sith in 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 the remake, and I'm sure you're gonna you might even see you know Vincent or Yuffie. I don't I don't know, but they're gonna have they're gonna be retooling the story. I'm sure to move things around so that we're getting the stuff that people love about the game a little bit earlier on in the story. We're seeing characters earlier, um, but it, I it, it's not gonna be good for story. I'm sure that there's people working on this game that are trying to make the very best game that they can, but. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes decisions are over their heads and decisions are made for other reasons than story. Um, and, and you can't help that, but just do the best that you can within the confines of those decisions that are coming from over top of you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm like, I'm sure there's hundreds of people working on this game that are trying to do the very goddamn best that they can to make a, a really good video game an enjoyable video game and to do service to the original. But, um, there's so many decisions that are getting made when you make something like this that has so many people involved mm-hmm. um that who knows really where some of the bigger decisions are coming from but i i sincerely doubt that um the director or you know whoever's wants to just make this into a good game would want to make it into like 15 games you know yeah no i mean i'm very curious i think well when's the ps5 come out like two years well, no, that it was supposed to come out this winter. Uh, I don't know if with the pandemic it's still going to happen. Um, I would guess that it's going to get delayed. But originally, when they started talking about the PS5, they were saying winter 2020 release, just in time okay. for Christmas. Yeah. My so, guess is the next edition of this is going to coincide with the the flat, PS5 release. The, yeah, I I would bet money on it. They yeah. Need a, they need, they need a, a seller, yeah. 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 I mean um I don't know. I it'll be it'll be frustrating though because it, it all of the progress that you've made with your characters in this game won't I don't think we'll be able to carry over to the PS5, right? So it seems like yeah. all for nothing at some point, like all the leveling you've done, all your materia that you've leveled up to the max, like what's going to mm-hmm. happen with all that stuff at the beginning of the next game. I mean, unless I can do it online somehow, I'm I, I, I think from they, a financial standpoint, it would just they would just make a killing. Like how many people? Just the well, the average consumer probably not as much, but like myself, you, Kian, we probably be like ah, I really got to shell out the money for this. Mm-hmm. Like so, ah, that would be. It, uh, it'll be interesting. Bomb. I yeah, I I feel like if they do end up padding it out over five or six games, they're going to start seeing diminishing returns and less sales mm-hmm. with each, each concurrent game. Um, and if they start seeing that, maybe they'll go back and just be like, okay, we're just going to do the, we're going to do it in three. And then the last game is going to be huge, which would yeah. be ideal for me. At, um, but um, either way, I'm sure I'll be buying the PS five pretty soon after it comes out. If not day of release, it's uh Ever since uh, I've had the means to be able to do that, I Mm -hmm. have made it kind of an event where I take the day off work. I get the system, like I got the Switch the day it came out with Zelda, and I just took the day off work and I played it for like 10 hours, and it was the best. It was amazing. It was so fun. But um, yeah, hopefully there's some cool PS5 games released on the day of so that 
um, I, I can justify getting the system early. I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> rocking my PC here until uh, probably for another couple of years. Um, but so quickly back to Sephiroth, like, for example, mm-hmm. um, his entrance in this is different in comparison to the original. And yeah. then it seems like it's just a, Ken described it, which I agree with. And begrudgingly, he was right. Uh, he described it as a different approach to the character. Have you felt that a lot of these characters have been different for Sephiroth, for example, he says like Sephiroth was kind of just a man on a mission and he was going to tear down the world. Didn't care who was in his way. Cloud just happened to get in his way and he felt like, well, now I got to deal with this guy in the new game. It seems much more of a manipulative approach. Like he's teasing cloud from the beginning. Do you like, do you notice a lot of those kind of differences in storytelling from character development or from character traits or anything like that? Well, yeah, hundred percent. I think that because they're dealing with such a small amount of story in the original and they've had to mm-hmm. blow it out into 30 or 40 hours, they're having to do more with those characters early on. So in the original game, in those first you know hours in Midgar, he's despondent and he's kind of a dick. And then you see him kind of slowly start warming up to everybody, especially when they get out of Midgar and go to Calm, mm-hmm. that little city or the little town outside of Midgar. But um, in this game, they to to get a full character arc in one game, they've had to add so much. And if they want to introduce Sephiroth early, then there's got to be a reason for that. And I think yeah. having Cloud's mind be even more fractured than mm-hmm. and having that be a more of a a prevalent aspect of his character early on. I think that's a good choice. I think it's interesting and it adds more to that character. I think there's a little bit more mystery there. Like some of the revelations in the original feel like they come out of nowhere at points. But I think in this game, when those big things happen, you're going to be like, Oh, I understand everything now. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it, totally like Sephiroth's character is a little bit different, but Sephiroth is one of those characters that's, you know, he looks great and he does big things and big moments happen around him, but there's not that much of an arc there. There's not that much character mm-hmm. there. And I think that they're going to try and add more to him in this, in this series. Um, that I, I'm sure that that's their goal and that they're, uh, it's what they're attempting to do with, with the changes to the story in this, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's definitely, I think all the characters are going to be a little bit different because you can't help it if you have different creators on there, different writers on there, that they're going to bring their own voices and their own experiences into the characters. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not trying to, like as a writer, you imprint yourself a little bit onto every single character that you write and you, you imprint the people that you know and your own lived experiences and you bring them into your writing. Um, and you just, it, 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 even if you're a hundred percent trying not to, it happens subconsciously. Right. So sure. if there's different people work on this, it's going to be a different game. And I think that the writers are doing their own things with these characters and they are still, for me, they feel true to the original, just expanded, especially in the early goings. But I think that all the big moments are going to be the same. All the big, mm-hmm. All the, the big, big story beats, big story beats are going to be there in these these games, but I think the way that the paths to them are going to be pretty drastically different. I yes. you have to if you're going to blow out a, a an eighty yeah. hour game into forty. I, hours. I don't need. Yeah. Well, God, I don't know. Like the Midgar scene, the Midgar bits in the original are, are 
like six hours, five, six hours, if I remember correctly, and it's 40 hours here. So if they do that to an 80-hour game, you know, it's going to be 10 games, but I'm sure that they're going to do different things with the story, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's hard to speculate, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm maybe Vincent will get his own disc, and they'll just have a Vincent, <laughs> a Vincent disc. I'm down yeah. for a Vincent disc. Vincent disc is run around and brood and shoot people with your gun. Um, but, I mean... So one question I've been asking all the guests who've come on the show, just kind of as a, a fun way to kind of wrap up is, unfortunately, there has not been a Final Fantasy VII comic yet. No. Uh, which, no, there has not, unfortunately. So let's say uh, Marvel gives you a call, said, Michael, we got the rest of Final Fantasy VII. Give us a team. Let's get this done. Who would you pick? uh i would pick myself to draw and myself (laughs) to write it and myself to color no i okay so you know what i saw um uh who did i I saw someone do a cloud recently that was so cool uh oh matthias bergara from coda that's his name oh yeah yeah am i am I, i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly but i saw him do a few clouds recently and his art is so cool and um expressive and dynamic i think he would be a really cool artist for it um i've also been seeing uh irene co do some uh cloud and tifa drawings and stuff and Mm -hmm. and i feel like she brings a little bit of um manga style a little bit of an eastern style to her art and that would do well i think with an adaptation of this comic and then for a writer um let's go with uh, I'll say Mariko Tamaki because she, I feel like she is so good with character stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so good with character. And she's also good with like big epic fantasy as well. Uh, yeah. If you just like, if That's you look really at her, choice. yeah. Uh, or maybe, you know, who else would be good would be uh, the woman who, who writes uh runaways um oh um is it rainbow rowell rowell yes that's it that's it yeah uh she just does such a good job with that book uh juggling so many characters with like some wackiness and some big um some big moments uh like big weird fantasy stuff that uh, i feel like she would be good for it um you, Brian K. Vaughn would, I mean, Brian K. Vaughn would do good, great on anything, but I feel like he would be a great writer for it as well. But, uh, and then as a colorist, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that does those big, colorful, bright stuff. Uh, maybe Matt Wilson, just cause he's great at everything. Um, I've been really enjoying Chris O'Halloran's work lately, so maybe he would be good too. Yeah, no, I think those are all good uh, choices. I selected, or I said I wanted Hickman to write it because I figured if you're not going to do a direct remake or you're going to have some creative abilities in there, I would like Hickman to get in there, maybe build some different aspect of Midgard up that maybe not known. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a sucker for Sean Murphy vehicle art, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to pick him just for the motorcycle <laughs> Yeah, <scene." laughs> Yeah, so. he would draw the hell out of those characters, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so I mean... Um, oh, last question I forgot to ask. Um, so when you first meet Aerith and you had the flashback scenes and you see Cloud starting to, you know, uh, hallucinate, did you catch the one scene with 
uh, Aerith laying in the water. I did, yeah. I kind of started yelping. <laughs> yeah, so, my girlfriend was watching. I was like, "What? They're showing this?" And then I, I, I kind of like cut myself off because I didn't want to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of a flash forward, right? That I mean, I was. I'm like, that's a pretty big reveal for something that's probably not going to be in this game, and pretty, pretty big. I don't know if that was just fanfare or if that was like a story beat. I was curious to your take on that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I they're playing with Cloud's perception of time a little bit, and I think that mm-hmm. would that's interesting. And I hope that they do that a little bit more. But um, because they're playing so much with Cloud's fractured psyche, um, I guess they're showing that he's like kind of seeing through time at that point. But I don't really know if that's an intention or it's just an Easter egg for people who like the game or the fans of the original. But I don't know. I thought it was fun. I didn't think it, it deterred the story at all. I didn't think it was detrimental. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was fun to see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just curious uh, to your opinion, because I remember I was texting Kian with that being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So, I mean, that's all I had uh, for today, Michael. I first of all, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on. And as we talked about as well, uh, I definitely look forward to trying to set up that roundtable with everyone to get their final reactions to the game. Um but again, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the podcast and talk about uh, Final Fantasy storytelling for a little bit. No, no, thank you. It's been fun. Um, hopefully I covered things that are somewhat interesting to your listeners, your dear listeners. No, I definitely think you did. Uh, okay. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Thank you.